Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. we are ready to go. really do appreciate all those who do so much behind the scenes to make things happen. And uh, there are a whole bunch. I did bring a couple uh, praises for uh, John and Jeff, but you know, there's so many who are doing so many amazing things. Um, You know, John Price has volunteered to preach tonight uh, in our evening assembly. And uh, we're not going to have evening assembly here uh, I had a weather weather uh, alert saying it's supposed to get up to 100 or more today. And so uh, we got our uh, air conditioning blasting at our house. And so uh, if you want to come out and get a little frigid, not really. If you want to come out and stay out of the heat, uh, 6 o'clock tonight at the Compton Place, that would be great. And uh, I know John's going to bring a great message. If you haven't gotten to know John, uh, he's a pretty amazing guy. Uh, He's got amazing uh, life experiences, and uh, he's brought a lot of those to the table as a Christian. You know, I love the scripture that says, all things work for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so, uh, excited for this evening's assembly. Compton Place, 6 o'clock, and uh, John is going to be speaking tonight. Wednesday evening assembly is at the Parks Home at 7 o'clock, and uh, we're going to examine this coming Wednesday night. We're going to examine what does God say about the ideal form of civil government. We've gone through several different forms over the last several evenings. Anarchy, uh, bureaucracy, uh, communism, uh, democracy, uh, and uh, uh, what what was it? Uh, uh, Yeah, autocracy. Yes, like, like, uh, um, wow, I'm just losing it this morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, monarchy, thank you, like a monarchy or a dictatorship. And then finally we looked at a constitutional republic. That's what we have, or that's what our founding fathers created. So what we're going to do is we're going to just briefly review all of those, I mean very brief, and then we're going to go to what does the Bible say about the ideal form of civil government. And then you can choose using biblical standard for what would be the most appropriate form of civil government. And I think you'll be happy to see uh, what the results are going to be. And so uh, also, too, G4 Summit's coming up. And if you want to take a note, I put these in your in your bulletins. And uh, you know what? I've been told uh, there's been some uh, uh, thought that there might be a shutdown in people coming from out of state into Oregon. And there's some folks that were talking about coming. I don't think they're coming now. Uh, so I'd really appreciate it. if you guys can get the time off to come up. Either one day or two days or all three would be great. And uh, it's a great time of fellowship. Great fishing, great preaching, great uh, hiking, great uh, campfires. And uh, bring your own uh, some more fixins would be great. And I got some. I got, you know, I got four of these. Rather interesting. So, Scott, I'm going to have you be my runner, okay? Oh, there's there's some more in the back. Scott, would you go grab those for me? 
That would be great. So here we go. Uh, note of encouragement, Bill Compton. Thank you for the way you are positively leading in these challenging times. Christ's light shines ever brighter through your life. I'm glad that that's the case because I get a little frustrated sometimes uh, when I am uh, led by someone who has very poor leadership qualities somewhere up north in the capital of Oregon. And so uh, my email this morning was a little bit premature, come to find out. So thank you everyone for uh, following through. All right, so Bill, thank you for always putting others' deeds before your own. Very thankful for you and your family, a great example. You know the old, old saying, there's a, an awesome woman behind every great man. Well, that is the case for me. If I didn't have my wife, who knows what she would get. I probably wouldn't even be here. So thank you, honey. Uh, Emma. Now, Emma's not here this morning, but Emma, I hope you're watching on, uh, uh, on Facebook Live. So Emma, this one's for you. Uh, Emma, uh, you give the best hugs, but that's the truth. And here's another one. Emma, Kirkpatrick, God's love shines through you so brightly. Your encouraging words brighten the church. And you know what? Emma, I think everybody knows that you have the gift of encouragement, so thank you. I'm going to give you those to your dad, so he'll bring them to you. All right, uh, I think you can be seated now. Thank you, Bill, for being at the hospital when Phil Hartman had surgery. He's home and will be healing up uh, for about six months. Wow. Pray for him and Betty during this time. Thanks again, Bill, for being concerned. And uh, we should be praying for uh, uh, Phil and Betty. Uh, they're elderly and uh, some huge complications in Phil's life. He had his hip replaced and the doctor, when they first replaced it, botched it. It got infected inside. They went in and tried to clean it out. The same doctors didn't do a good job. So he was in a real world hurt. It took seven, was it seven hours of surgery? Seven hours of surgery. They had to go in and Pull the old hip out, and they had to reconstruct some of the bone. It was a mess. So we need to pray for Phil and Betty uh, that uh, that Phil would get back on his on his feet quick. So anyway, thank you for that. I appreciate that. All right. Well, let's turn in our Bibles, uh, and I'm not going to turn to Psalm 16, verse 11. I think you know what that says. I hope you know what that says. It's a it's a beautiful passage. It says. Uh, uh, your, your ways, O Lord, will you teach me? Uh, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. And in your right hand there are pleasures forever. Well, we're still working on that fullness of joy. And uh, there are still scriptures that speak about that. And this particular focus this morning, we do have to use 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And I think you'll see why this morning. So, 1 John that's little John in the back. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And I think it'll be immediately recognizable why we're using this verse this morning as the anchor verse. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify, proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and 
heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our, all of our joy may be made full. King James says that your joy, speaking to the audience, may be full. He's talking about the amazing fellowship that we have with God the Father and God his Son and then fellowship with each other because of that. But I want to read on. Verse 5, 6, and 7. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him, in God, in Christ, there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's pray. Our God, our holy God in heaven, how thankful we are, dear Lord, for the blessing of your word. For everything that we need for life and godliness is found in its pages. And Lord, we desire that we would be a people of joy. The scripture teaches, as we have been learning, that because we have been filled with your spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of glory, that we now are able to manifest the fruit of joy. But I pray, Father, we would recognize that joy only comes if we are truly in your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Son, Jesus Christ, is in us. And we choose to walk in the same manner as he walked, meaning we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. Father, help us to realize that that truly is what will produce joy. If we go seeking joy as the end goal, we'll never find joy. But if we seek a right relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, and that relationship is found in our relationship with each other as Christians, Christ ones, anointed ones of God, then, Father, the joy that you desire for us to have will be ours. Help us to see that then this morning from the scriptures we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In my home, if you were to come into my home and you would walk into my dining room and look into my family room, you'd see this big sign on the wall with pictures of all my family. Choose joy. And that's exactly what we need to do. But how to do it is the key. Yes, choose joy, but how do you choose joy? That's what we're going to work on this morning. But the fact of the matter is, you need to choose joy. If you're a Christian, you should desire the fruit of the Spirit, joy, because we wear it oh so well. And people know we are Christians by our love for one another. And so notice the fruit of the Spirit is first love and then joy. And so we should really enjoy being with each other face to face as we're going to see this morning. And we should truly enjoy serving the Lord together. And so that's what we're going to work on this morning. You know, joy is really a choice. It really is. But you must choose it by choosing God. Choosing God and becoming a Christian. Choosing God and his word and following in what he says. That's truly how we receive joy. Joy comes when we have fellowship with God through Christ and good fellowship with each other as we serve him. 
So notice the three points that we have in our lesson plan this morning. Notice the, the plan has to do with fellowship, but fellowship is what produces joy. So number one, fellowship with the Father through Jesus Christ will produce joy. The scripture teaches that in a multitude of places, and I have a couple of verses there. Look at the second one in your lesson plan. Fellowship with each other through Christ produces joy. And I have to be honest with you. As John said, I have no greater joy than when my children are walking in the truth. It's really a phenomenal thing. And so as you have children and they're growing and they choose Christ and they embrace that, there is such great joy in that. And when you lead someone to Christ and they choose to follow after Christ in his footsteps, there is such amazing joy, joy inexpressible, as the Apostle Paul says. And so we can have that joy by working together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And finally, on the third point on the back, it says, fellowship when we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. And that's a great, great statement. And that's really where we want to end up at. So let's jump into point number one. Fellowship with the Father through Jesus Christ. What does the word fellowship mean? If you were to look up that word fellowship here in 1 John in chapter 1, it's the Greek word koinonia. The word koinonia is a rather interesting word. Koinonia means to participate with. Now, some people think the church is a spectator sport. Everybody just sits back and, and let the, the paid hirelings do everything. I'm sorry to tell you, the true church is not a spectator sport. The true church is a participation with God. And so in order for us to have true joy, we need to participate in the great plans and will of God in this life. You know, he gifted every one of us with special gifts. Some of us are gifted as speakers. Some of us are gifted as bookkeepers and accountants. Some of us are gifted at project orchestration and doing great projects. You know, some of us are gifted in serving. In each case, some of us are gifted, by the way, in encouragement. And I'll tell you what, Emma is truly gifted. And so those gifts are given so that we can share them with each other. But God is the one that gave us those gifts. And so we need to be in good fellowship with him by first becoming a Christian. Look at Philippians in chapter 1. That's where I'd like to begin this morning. And this is really, I think, one of the cornerstone passages on fellowship. In Philippians in chapter 1, beginning there in verse 3, the apostle writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation, fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work and you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. The word partakers there also means to share in or have fellowship in. But the beauty of this passage is absolutely amazing. When do we first participate in the gospel? Correct answer. We first participate in the gospel 
by being immersed into Christ, in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. We are crucified with him in the waters of immersion. We are, we are buried with him in the waters of immersion, and then we're raised up to walk in newness of life. Notice, we're raised up to walk in newness of life. The newness of life, walking in the newness of life, is actually the fifth part of the gospel. Very powerful part. Remember when the Apostle Paul, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, reminded the Corinthians about the gospel? He says, I want to remind you, brethren, of the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you'll hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I are delivered to you as of first importance that which Christ Jesus gave to me, that he was crucified, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to 500 brethren at one time, and then he appeared, and he appeared, and he appeared, and he appeared, and he appeared. It says six times he appeared. And Paul's reminding them of the gospel. He says, once you were crucified, once he was crucified, once he was buried, once he was raised, but then he appeared, he appeared, he appeared, he appeared, he appeared. Isn't it interesting? Does Christ appear in you? If you died with him in the waters of immersion and were raised up with him to walk in newness of life, Christ appears in you. Wherever you go, people can see Jesus Christ. How important that is for us to understand. We need to participate in the work of God. You know what Jesus said? He said, man, the fields are white for harvest, but the what? The laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest. That's us. And when you live the life of Jesus Christ, when you walk in the light as he himself is in the light, you don't have to be a great evangelist. You could just care about people's souls and make interaction with them and live the life. And they're going to start asking questions. If you're actually living the life, if you're living differently than those outside, they're going to ask questions. You want proof of that? Turn with me to the next scripture. Take a look at 2 Corinthians in chapter 6. This is talking about fellowship as well. 2 Corinthians in chapter 6. If you're listening this morning via Facebook Live, I hope that you'll turn with us to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And let's begin in verse 14. Powerful passage on fellowship with God. We need to choose who we are going to have fellowship with so that we can do the works of God and that we can participate with God in what he's called us to do. Listen very carefully, beginning in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony is Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we Christians are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people, my children. Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. Notice the word fellowship is in there. Now, what fellowship 
does light have with darkness? Would anyone be willing to say amen in this statement? Jesus, from the word of God, pointed his finger at his disciples and said, you are the light of the world. Can I say an amen on that one? Are we a light of the world? And remember what he said after that? He said, look, when you light a lamp, you don't put, put it under a bucket or a barrel, but you set it on top so the light will be seen by all who are in the room. He then goes and says, so show your good works. Manifest the light in good works to everyone so that they might see that you are in fact a Christian. You see, so important for us to recognize that. So when you when you live differently than the vast majority of the world, they're going to take note of that. You know, it's rather interesting, and I've used this example before, but it's an important example. You and I live in this world. You and I work with people who are not yet Christians. They're pre-Christians. Remember, they're pre-Christians. They're not enemy they're pre-christians in fact we need to recognize that they've been held captive by the devil to do his will how are they going to know you don't condemn them jesus never condemned anybody when he lived in the flesh you give me a scripture where jesus condemned somebody when he walked in the flesh it's not in there he's going to do that at the last day and if we're Jesus in the flesh, we don't condemn people. We don't judge people. But what we do is we live the life of Christ before them. And then they recognize, oh, there's a difference here between my life and the mess I'm living and the life that's God, life that TJ, the life that Melissa or Julie are living. They'll recognize and they'll feel uncomfortable. And so when they say a cuss word, they'll do something like this. Oh, Bill, I'm sorry. I why would somebody do that? I never told anybody they couldn't cuss in front of me. I'm at Willamette High School and I'm a teacher, so I don't want any teachers, any students, any custodians, any secretarial staff. None of you should cuss before me because I am a Christian. Is that what I did? Melissa, you were there. I never said that. I came in and I loved on my students and I cared about them and I lived the life and Sharon was there a lot and, and so the kids saw Sharon and, and uh, there's a lot of young people that became Christians because they saw Christ in me. Now am I tooting my own horn? No. What I am saying is, is that anybody can do that. I was just kind and caring and loving. I didn't whip out my Bible. I didn't quote Bible verses. I lived the life of Christ and people saw the difference. That's what we're talking about here. You can live in the world and you can work with people who are in the world, but you're not of this world and you don't need to act like this world. In fact, there should be, there should be a complete disconnect between a child of light and someone who's still in the darkness. How many have ever gone out in the woods and it's really it's black and your flashlight goes out and there's no moon. I'll tell you what. Your ears all of a sudden hear every little crack of a branch. It's absolutely true. And I'm telling you what, your eyeballs start to see things. Whoa! And your hair goes back on the back of your neck and there's nothing there. I'll tell you what, when you're in the darkness like that, you're looking for the light. Jeff has told us stories about that and the fog and the darkness and 
You had to listen. And then finally they saw the light. You see, we need to recognize people are drawn to the light when they're in a mess of their life. They want the light. They want help. They want life. And we, brethren, need to participate with God. And there's great joy when people ask, yeah, man, Blake, how do you do it? I long for those days. And I just like, people see it. Praise God. He's working through me. People see it. God's working through you. People see it. That's what this is talking about. It's not talking about condemning those outside of Christ. The devil's done that. We're Christians. We are offering them life by how we live. And if they're interested, then we share with them. And that's how it really works. Now, brethren, I want to take a look at this next one, this second point. And man, this is where it really gets exciting. Point number two, fellowship with each other through Christ. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 2. Let's go back to 1 John. 1 John uh, chapter 1 and verse 2. And uh, it's a very clear statement there. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 2. A little slow on the draw this morning. Here we go. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And then he goes on and says, this life we saw, this life we touched, this life we have fellowship with, and we want you to have fellowship with us. The apostles wanted more people to become like themselves. They wanted more people to become Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. And it's rather interesting if you take a look at the next verse there, verse 4. He says, or verse 3 and 4, excuse me. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too, you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. I write these things so that we can have joy in its fullness. Fellowship is what's going to bring fullness of joy. If you're not in fellowship with the body of Christ, if you're not participating in the, the work and the service of God with the body of Christ, you're going to be missing out on a lot of joy. You will. You say, well, I, I think I can do it all by myself. Well, that's not the standard that we see in the scriptures. If you're gifted by God, and all of us are, and you give your gift in service to God, in participation with the kingdom, you're going to get words of encouragement from people. You're going to get hugs. You're going to get appreciation. And you're going to feel good inside because that's what God designed us to do. You see, God will give us those emotions when we do the right thing. By the way, brethren, please make note of this. Feelings follow faith. Faith does not follow feelings. A lot of people in different religious beliefs think the feelings are great because I have great faith. But then they get to the end of the week and they're going, oh, man, I'm all beat up. Well, wait a minute, what happened? Well, I need a recharge. I've actually had people say that. I go to church to get a recharge so I can make it through the week. How about 
be trained and educated so you can live the life all week long and can grow each week. That's really what the mindset should be. So brethren, I want you to turn now to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This passage follows the passage we just read a moment ago. Listen to the joy of fellowship. 2 Corinthians and chapter 7. This absolutely blew me away when I saw this in relationship to 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, you know what? You need to not participate with those who are in darkness. You're the light. In fact, you need to make sure that in your behavior, you're separate from them. It's not the same so that you can actually show what goodness, godliness looks like. Because people don't really know what evil looks like anymore. Because how many would agree with me that it seems like evil is good and good is evil. This is the standard right here of good. This is the standard right here of evil. And any man-made standard is wrong. This is the standard. And so when we live the standard of, of goodness, of godliness, people can tell. It says we're strangers and aliens. Well, take a look at this passage. And, and I want you to listen for the fellowship and the joy that Paul experiences. Therefore, having these promises, therefore means what I just said about separate yourself because you're a child of God. You're a son or a daughter of God. You're his precious child. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light because of these promises. Therefore, because of these promises, now act. Listen to what he says. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In other words, our lives should be impeccable examples of integrity and virtue. Verse two, make room for us in your hearts. We wronged no one. We corrupted no one. We, we took advantage of no one. I, I did not speak to condemn you. For, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is my confidence in you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. Now, why is he overflowing with joy in all his affliction? When you read the, when you read the scriptures, do you ever ask yourself questions when you read? I do. The question was when I was reading the scripture, it says, um, I am overflowing with joy in all my affliction. Why was he overflowing with joy? The answer is in the next few verses. For even when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without, fears within. But God who comforts the, the humble, that word depression, be humble. The God who comforts the humble, comfort us by coming, by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you. As he reported to us, your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. You know, it's really awesome 
is when someone that hasn't seen you in a while sees how you've grown, sees how your family has grown, says, wow, you're doing a great job. Man, that really is power. You see, what Paul is saying here is this, is that we are so overwhelmed, excited, because you remember me, and you love me, and you can't wait to see me. Because you recognize that everything I've done, I've done for you. Paul is elated with joy because of the fellowship with the brethren. He invested his heart and soul in them. He never condemned anybody. That goes right along with what I just said, isn't it? Jesus didn't condemn anybody when he walked this world in the flesh. We should not condemn people when we walk in this world in the flesh, but surely we should live like Jesus Christ and love them and walk in the light as he himself is in the light, amen? You need to love people where they're at, but help them get to where Jesus is. And the only way to do that is to have first fellowship with God and then fellowship with each other. I recently was talking with a good brother and he said, you know what? There have been times in my life when I thought I could be a rock. I'm an island. Kind of like that guy, uh, Simon and Garfunkel song, right? Some of you remember that. That shows my age, okay? I am a rock. I'm an island. Yeah, right. It doesn't work that way. We need each other and we need each other to help each other walk in the light as he himself is in the light. Look at verse three. Or sorry, point number three. And turn back in your Bibles to 1 John. You see, it really comes down to our walk, our life, as I've been saying. This is the proof text for that. Beginning in verse five. This is the message, the message. We have heard from him, from God, and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we, we, we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You should memorize that scripture. If you memorize that scripture and then ask the question, what does it look like to walk in the light? And you answer that one question, the joy that God has for you and I will be yours. If you just do that one thing, memorize this passage of scripture and when it says that he himself is in the light, excuse me, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, what does that mean? What does that look like? If you walk like Jesus and you talk like Jesus and like Emma would do, you hug like Jesus, right? Guess what's going to happen? People are going to see who? They're going to see Jesus. And they're going to want what you have because they don't have it. Brethren, let's look real quickly then. The first point there, the little bullet point. This is the message. God is light. Brethren, listen to that statement again. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So I, I need to answer this question. Is a Christian in God and is God in the Christian? What's the answer to that? Absolutely, positively. That's the defining 
line between someone who's not yet a Christian and a Christian. When a person receives the Spirit of Christ in the waters of immersion, if they've been immersed by faith, they receive the Spirit of God inside of them. And so the message is this, God is life, and in Him there is no darkness at all. You want to do an extra credit homework assignment? Probably not. But if you were to do one, look up every time in Him in the New Testament is referenced to Christians. You want to know how many times? Let's guess. How many times, how many times is the phrase in him in reference to Christians made in the New Testament? How many times? How many? A gazillion? <laughs> Not quite, but close. Fifty. That's a great, that's a great guess. It's not right. <laughs> See, that's it. Yeah, all right. Do I hear 80? Do I hear 80? I guess 30, 30, 30, 30. Do I hear 80? 80, I hear 80. I have 80, 85, 85, 85, 80, 85, 85, 85, 80, 80, 85. I could be. Wow. I'm not telling you. You have to look it up. Wow, that's. That's how they do it at auctions, too, when they don't win. Oh! <laughs> it is all over the place. God is in you. Therefore, you are the light. Did you get that? This is the message. In God, there is no darkness. In God, it's only light. You're in God. You are light. Embrace the truth. Remember the question, what does is, what is walking in the light look like? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Look up the answer. How did Jesus walk? You know, back in the 70s, what would Jesus do? That's a great question. Problem is, not very many people answered that. And they had the little wristlets. What would Jesus do? I'm glad that you asked that. Was it? Oh, serious? That really shows how old I am. Wow. What would Jesus do? We should still be asking that question and finding the answer, by the way. Look at the second bullet point there. If we walk in the light. You know, some of you are receiving my, my little Facebook messages in the morning. The word if is a very powerful, powerful word. It's only two letters. The word if. You have the power of choice. If you walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another and we'll have joy, exceeding fullness of joy. Did you catch that? If you walk in the light, you will have joy. That scripture says it right there. But if you don't walk in the light, there won't be any joy. Or if there is, it's to those times that you do walk in the light and people appreciate it and people reach out to you and God blesses you because you're in alignment with his will. So critical, brethren. If you walk in the light, that's a choice you make. So when you come to my house next time, maybe even tonight, Look over on the wall with all the pictures. Choose joy. Oh, that was the sermon this morning. But that's the sermon for every day. That's the sermon for every interaction. So let's close with the last thought here, the last bullet point. We have fullness of joy in our fellowship with one another in his glory. We have fellowship with one another in his glory. Verse 4. It says there, 
These things we write that our joy may be made full. You know, in Philippians and chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says there's joy when we are of one mind, of one heart, of one spirit, of one attitude and one purpose, we have joy. Fullness of joy. When we have one heart, one mind, one purpose, one spirit, one attitude. If you study the scriptures and you walk in the light, if we're all walking in the light, what's going to happen? We're all going to be one. That's the key, brethren. What does it mean to walk in the light? Lord, help me walk in the light. And when you walk in the light, Joy will happen. When you have fellowship with God, according to his word, joy will happen. As you work together in good fellowship, participating together in whatever the church is doing to reach to the lost and to build each other up, joy will happen. And when you walk in the light as he is, himself is in the light, joy will be yours in full measure. Brother, my prayer is, is that we recognize that we are seated with him in the heavenly places right now. And he's taken his rightful place on the throne of our hearts right now. Therefore, we can experience fullness of joy right now. Please recognize, if you're not experiencing that joy, either you're not a Christian or you're not walking in alignment with his word as we would work together as the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the, the amazing blessings of being in Christ. We're so deeply thankful that through you, you sent your son into the world and gave him the marching orders and he lived that perfect example for us so that we could follow in his footsteps, that we could walk in the light as he himself is in the light and we would have great joy as well. But joy comes with our working together, the wholeness of the body working together, not complaining, not grumbling, not pointing out failings. We, we all still are growing. And so we should have grace for one another as we encourage one another to excel still more and more as we see the day of your return drawing near. Father, the fellowship in the body should bring great joy if we're doing it according to your will. And finally, Father, that only happens when each individual chooses to walk in the light as you yourself are in the light. Help us to understand what that means, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay, we don't have our little helper, so we're going to go get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. All right? Thank you. Appreciate it. See you tonight. Six o'clock. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.